Living Stones is our discipleship pathway we use to bring people to faith, grow people in the faith and their life, and how we raise up new leaders. 1 Peter 2.5 You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are exploring the fourth zone of discipleship, behind the curtain, where a disciple learns to live as a reconciled self. There are two steps in this area, emotions and transformation. There's a universal need for living things to feel secure. Animals want to feel secure. People want to feel secure. Even the cells of our body want to feel secure. I remember when we got our new cat, he was insecure. He found a ledge off our basement stairs and curled up into a ball. For a while, the only time he would relax and be at peace is when I sat next to him. I didn't pet him or anything. I just sat on the stairs next to him and read a book. And while I was there guarding him, he would roll over on his back and go to sleep. As soon as I got up, he curled back into his ball. Over time, he's learned to be at peace in the whole house. When the cells of our bodies are not at peace with the other body cells, we call that cancer. Nobody wants that. There are scientific studies that are predicting that instead of destroying cancer cells, which causes them to fight back harder, we might be able to convince them to come back in harmony with the whole body. For people, we often base our peace on what we have instead of what we are, something external to us which can be removed from us rather than something within us. If only I had my house or car or student loans or credit cards paid off, then I'd be at peace. If I was only in a relationship or married or divorced, then I'd be at peace. If I only made more money or had more in retirement or better health coverage or better health, then I'd be secure. But all those things can go away, just like me leaving my cat on the stairs. There's always something to repair on the house. There's always education I don't yet have. There is difficulty in relationships and in singleness. Someone else always has more money, and my health or mind can go away in an instant or slowly over time. External peace can vanish. With all that uncertainty, how can I have peace? Emotional peace, stability, or wholeness is illustrated by Zebulon who is blessed by Jacob in Genesis 49:13. Zebulun will live by the seashore and will be a harbor for ships, and his territory will be next to Sidon. Jacob's blessing to Zebulun is for his son and his son's descendants to have peace and give peace. Sure, a seashore can have storms, but Zebulun is a safe harbor. His territory is also secure because one border is the Mediterranean Sea. Someone could attack with ships, but before aircraft carriers and big guns, it's a lot easier to attack a ship from land than to take over land from a ship. This is one reason the United States wanted to span from sea to shining sea. Ocean borders are a good defense, along with a northern border, much of which is cold and inhospitable. We feel secure. But like my finances, relationships, and health, land is an external to a person and can be taken away. Jacob's uh, blessing to Zebulon 
is is in the promised land. It's the west coast along the Mediterranean Sea. Having the coast is good financially because it opens up more opportunities for trade. We know this is good land because Sidon, the border city that Jacob mentions, was a city of the Phoenicians. Sidon was a city of craftspeople producing glass, dyed fabrics, and embroidery. They were prosperous. The people of Sidon sent out colonists to found other cities, such as Tyre. This is the good land that Jacob wants to give to Zebulun. But when the land allotments happen under Joshua, in Joshua chapter 19, things go differently than Jacob's wishes. Verses 10 through 16 of Joshua 19. The third lot came up for Zebulun's descendants by their clans. The territory of their inheritance stretched as far as Sarid. Their border went up westward to Moriah, reached Dabasheth, and met the brook of Jehokanim. From Sard, it turned east along the border of Clothith Tabor, went to Debarath, and went up to Japhtha. Up there, it went due east to Gath Nefer, to Eth Kazin, and extended to Rimen, curving around Nia. The border then circled around Nia, north toward Hanoth, and then ended at, unpronounceable, along with Caneth, Nail, Shimon, Adion, and Bethlehem, twelve cities with their settlements. This was the inheritance of Zebulon's descendants by their clans, their cities with their settlements. A lot of cities there with hard names. I know most everyone has no idea where all those cities and territories are, and that's okay. Here's what we need to know. Zebulon got the third draft pick. That's really good. Only Benjamin and Simeon were ahead of Zebulon, so the odds are good that they get a good area. Secondly, all of those places listed to define the land of Zebulon We did not hear anything about the sea, a seashore, harbors, or the city of Sidon. Now let's read Joshua 19, 24-31. The fifth lot came out for the tribe of Asher's descendants by their clans. Their boundaries included Helkath, Hel, Betin, Ashapan, Alameth, Almed, and Mishael, and reached westward to Carmel and Shahar Libanath, turned eastward toward Beth Dagon, reached Zebulon and Iphethel Valley toward Beth-Emek and Neel, went north to Kabul, Ebron, Rehab, Haman, and Cana, as, as far greater as Sidon. The boundary then turned to Ramah as far as the fortified city of Tyre. It turned back to Hoseth and ended at the Mediterranean Sea, including Milhalab, Azib, Uma, Ephek, Rehob, 22 cities with their settlements, and this was the inheritance of the Asher's the tribe of Asher's descendants by their clans, these cities with their settlements. The two lots after Zebulun comes Asher. And again, we have a bunch of cities and geographical locations that we don't recognize and can't pronounce, but some important ones that we do recognize. The cities of Sidon and Tyre, the cities of the Phoenicians. The Mediterranean Sea is mentioned. And importantly, the eastern border of Asher is the territory of Zebulun. Zebulon is cut off from the Mediterranean Sea. The northwest coastlands are allotted to Asher. The middle coastline goes to Manasseh, and the southern coast in part belongs to Dan and is in part ruled by the Philistines. Zebulon is not just denied the Mediterranean coast, but is a completely landlocked tribe. Nephtali, Ishakar, and Manasseh surround the Sea of Galilee. Zebulon is to the west of the Sea of Galilee. 
the secure, profitable coast is lost before it, Zebulun even inherits it, and the tribe becomes like Liechtenstein, stuck between Switzerland, Germany, and Austria. This reminded me of what has happened in Afghanistan. From outside governments, the people there are promised freedom from corrupt governments, terrorism, and religious persecution. People are promised rights, especially for women. They go through 20 years of war just to end up right back or worse than when they started. Have you ever felt like that? There's this great promise out there, but it's snatched away before you can take hold of it. As a young man, I like a girl, but she doesn't like me. Then later I found out she liked me before I ever knew who she was. That's high school stuff. I get married, but marriage is more difficult than I thought it would be, and I end up divorced. I make it to retirement, but I may outlive my money, and I'm definitely outliving my health. I can't find peace in those things because they are all external to me, and external peace can vanish. So how can landlocked Zebulun become a safe harbor for ships? The answer and fulfillment are found in the New Testament. It's not ships that need a safe harbor so much as the people who sail on the ships. Let's read Matthew 4, 12-17. When he, Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. He left Nazareth and went to live in Capernaum by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah, land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, along the road by the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who live in darkness have seen a great light, and for those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, because the kingdom of heaven has come near. The territory of Zebulun and Naphtali is where Jesus, the Prince of Peace, does most of his ministry. Nazareth, where Jesus preaches in the synagogue that he's the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah, is in the region of Zebulun. Cana, where Jesus does his first miracle at a wedding, is in the region of Zebulun. Capernaum, where Peter lives, is on the Sea of Galilee. This is in the territory of Naphtali, but the whole Galilee region to a Jews is Zebulun Naphtali. People find safe harbor in Zebulun because Jesus is there. Jesus also finds refuge, a safe harbor in Galilee. The people of Nazareth try to kill Jesus when he claims to be the Messiah. So Jesus passes through their midst unharmed and goes to live with Peter's family in Capernaum. Jesus travels to Jerusalem for the sacred assembly days and stirs up the religious leaders but then he travels back to Galilee because they can't kill him before his time. Jesus didn't have an easy life. He didn't own a home. People tried to kill him his whole life from childhood to adulthood. His family were refugees in Egypt, and his homeland was ruled by a foreign power. He was tempted in every way, yet remained free from any wrongdoing. Jesus must have had an internal peace that could not be taken away and a spirit which allowed him to give peace to others. Peter Scazzaro, in his book Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, says that when he read through the life of Jesus, he, and this is a quote, saw Jesus able to express his emotion with unashamed, unembarrassed freedom. He shed tears. He was filled with joy. He grieved. 
He was angry. Sadness came over him. He felt compassion. He felt sorrow. He showed astonishment and wonder. He felt distress. Jesus was anything but an emotionally frozen Messiah. End quote. Even with a full range of emotions, Jesus is always at peace. Jesus weeps, but he's not distraught. Jesus shows joy, but he doesn't party out of control. Jesus grieves and feels sadness, but he's not depressed. Jesus shows anger, but he's not in a rage. Jesus feels surprise, but he's not caught off guard. Jesus feels distress, but always hopes in God the Father. Jesus has peace within. He's emotionally healthy. Jesus expressed the full range of human emotions and was also a man who had the peace of God the Father and peace in his own mind. Internal peace is secure. And that's what I want. 2 Timothy 1.7 For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I want to live in Zebulun, the safe harbor that cannot be taken away. G. Walter Hansen wrote in Christianity Today, quote, I am spellbound by the intensity of Jesus' emotions, not a twinge of pity, but heartbroken compassion, not a passing irritation, but a terrifying anger, not a silent tear, but groans of anguish, not a weak smile, but an ecstatic celebration. Jesus' emotions are like a mountain river cascading with clear water. My emotions are more like a muddy foam or feeble trickle, end quote. What Hansen sees in his own life is what many of us may see. Emotions out of balance and unhealthy. A lack of internal peace, but looking to the right person, Jesus, to find peace. After the resurrection of Jesus, the disciples are afraid of being killed, just like Jesus was. So at some point, John 21 tells us that they went back to Galilee. It's in Galilee that they again see the resurrected Jesus, and Peter is restored. After Peter is restored by Jesus, we don't read any more stories of an impulsive, loudmouthed Peter. Yet Peter is still bold. That's an emotional health that comes through a mature relationship with Jesus. Galilee, the area of Zebulon, is a safe harbor for the fishers of men. It's their place of security and peace of mind. It's the place made complete by the Prince of Peace. Again, Peter Scazzaro from the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship identifies seven areas of emotional maturity. One, do you know what you are feeling inside and are you able to express it honestly? Two, are you able to deal with your past, whether things you are personally responsible for or things that were done to you, such that it doesn't negatively affect how you deal with things in the present? Three, do you admit your failures and weaknesses and listen to constructive criticism? Four, do you know when to say no, when to help carry a burden versus letting someone go on their own and balance family, rest, work, and play? Five, do you admit losses and disappointments and take time to experience grief and sadness? Six, can you empathize with others? And seven, are you maintaining a healthy spiritual life that encompasses your whole life? See, just because we are physically mature in our bodies does not mean we are emotionally mature and at peace in our minds. The human brain 
does not reach full maturity till at least the mid-20s. The brain isn't fully mature at 16 when we are allowed to drive, or at 18 when we're allowed to vote, or at 21 when we're allowed to drink, but closer to 25. That's when we're allowed to rent a car. That's just physical development. It takes more experiences and work to actually have a mature brain. And it takes work of God to have an emotionally healthy brain. The place to begin this work is at the beginning. The first step, identifying my emotions. I've talked with people that have said, I don't know what I'm feeling. And that's not just in the stressful situations of their lives. One of the tools we can use is a feelings chart where I can path out how I'm feeling. There's one available on the church website on the resource section for the Emotions Living Stone. From identifying my feelings, I can consider my thoughts and actions. Are my feelings leading me into right or wrong? Why am I feeling this way? Then I can bring these things, my feelings and my responses and my past, right or wrong, all to Jesus to give thanks or to ask for forgiveness or healing and move on towards maturity. External peace can vanish. Internal peace from the Prince of Peace is secure. God does not call us to be unemotional robots like Star Trek Vulcans relying only on logic. God made us to feel. But just as we are not to be ruled by cold facts alone, neither should I be ruled by emotion which changes all the time. The extreme case of living without emotion is a psychopath, and the extreme case of living ruled by emotion is manic excuse me, manic depression. That's not being whole, and that's not where God calls us to live. Zebulon is the tribe of peaceful harbor. A disciple attains a blue lace agate stone upon working with the Spirit of God to bring about emotional maturity. Our prayer today is taken from Psalm 34. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry for help. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears, and rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. One who is righteous has many adversaries, but the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them is broken. The Lord redeems the life of his servants and all who take refuge in him will not be punished. Lord, may we trust in you, not only for our physical needs, which you have promised to give, but also for the internal security we need to be whole people. There are many things that attack our lives, but in you we can always find peace. Bring us to that maturity so that we can bring others to your peace. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Go forth to live as disciples, serving God with your whole being, knowing that you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do great exploits in God's name.